The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a new covenant ministry because all of you who've come to faith in Christ have entered into what the Bible calls the new covenant in contrast to the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant through which the law came. And what Paul is doing in this section, if you think back a couple of weeks, is he's defending his ministry as an apostle. His ministry as an apostle. And so in this section, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, these first six verses we're going to look at, he's resuming what he talked about back in chapter 3, in verse 6, uh, who, who has made us adequate... Well, God has made us adequate, adequate as servants of a new covenant. The word servant is the word minister. A minister, the, the Greek word for ministry and deacon and service is the same word, diakonia. And uh, the Bible says that all of us are ministers who come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, he's, in fact, he's actually given you a specific ministry, and he's equipped you to do that ministry. And so what Paul is doing here in these first six verses is he's defending his ministry because he's being attacked by those who don't want the people at Corinth to listen to Paul. They think he's, um, he's a false apostle, they say. He's not one of the original. And he didn't tell them they had to live under the law in order to have a relationship with God under the Mosaic law. And so Paul is giving his defense in these first six verses. Let me just read the verses to you first. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, quite literally, as we have, we have this ministry through the mercy of God. This was an act of God's mercy in giving him this ministry as an apostle. And he says, since we have this ministry as an act of God's mercy, we do not lose heart. We don't get discouraged. Now, as we'll see in a minute, there was a lot of reasons for Paul to be discouraged. <clears throat> I'm sure what Dave, where Dave is that there's probably all kinds of opportunities to get discouraged in ministry. Um, but Paul says, we don't lose heart. We don't get discouraged. He says, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestations of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that is, let there be light, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And if you notice, there's just, he says these things about his ministry, which explain why he doesn't get discouraged in ministry. Now, in a minute, I want to talk to you about your ministry, because you all have one, all of you who are believers. You have a ministry. You are a minister in a very real sense. And this is what Paul says about his ministry. First, he says it's a gift of God's mercy. That God gave this to him as an act of mercy. Now, what mercy means is when you treat somebody based upon their need rather based than based upon what they deserve. Don't you like it when people do that? 
when they treat you based upon your need instead of what you deserve. And he says that this ministry given to him as an apostle was an act of God's mercy upon him. It was a privilege that even exceeded, he says, what Moses did, how Moses was used in the ministry that Moses had in bringing the, the mediator of the law. It was even greater than that, a greater privilege. Because he is, he is not preaching commandments, he is preaching grace, the love of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this divine commission to serve under this new covenant was more than compensating for all the trials he had endured and gone through. And he had gone through many, many trials. In fact, why don't we, we're right here. Turn to chapter 11 of this book and notice, if you will, in verse 23, Paul says, I know you've heard this before. This is infamous. <laughs> this is what Paul says in verse 23 of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And are they servants of Christ, these people who are accusing him and telling them you shouldn't listen to Paul because he doesn't even understand the law and salvation? He says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received the Jew, from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And he goes on beyond that. Paul went through some horrendous things in order to fulfill his ministry, the calling that God had given him to preach the gospel. And then in the second verse, and back in chapter 4, he says, listen to what this verse says, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness, in other words, not being sly and sneaky or adulterating the word of God. In other words, massaging the word so that everyone will accept it. So I preached it as, it as it really is. I wasn't trying to mold it into something that everybody would gladly receive. He says, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I was transparent in preaching the gospel to you. I brought the whole truth of the gospel to you. So his second point is that a new covenant ministry is a ministry of truth and transparency. That you're not to learn how to be something you're not. You're to learn how to live who you really are in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul did. The openness that marked the new covenant was reflected in his conduct, in the way that he acted. He didn't have to have special accommodations. <laughs> Wherever he went, he went as a servant of Christ. And then in the third and fourth verse, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. See, he was being charged with being so complicated and so heady that people didn't even understand what he was talking about. And he says, well, if that's true, our gospel, if our gospel is veiled, that is if it isn't understood, it's not veiled by me. It's veiled in those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So he said, yes, some people are blinded to the truth of the gospel, but not by me, but by the God of this world, Satan himself. And then finally, well, in verse 5, he says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Ministry is not preaching ourselves, but Christ. We preach Christ. That's what New Covenant ministry is. It's what Paul's ministry was. And it's actually what your ministry is too. And then finally in verse 6, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. That is the God who said in the creation account, in the second verse of Genesis 1, let there be light. And there was light. He said, that same God who spoke light into existence is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, he's obviously referring to his experience on the road to Damascus. If you remember, he met Christ on that road, and he was struck by the light of the glory of Christ. And he was blinded for days until God restored his sight. And so he is saying that ministry is preaching Christ and serving people. Preaching Christ and serving people. We don't preach ourselves. We don't preach some other message. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we serve people. That's what ministry is about, both the apostolic ministry and the ministry of every believer in the new covenant. So how does this relate to you? Well, apostles were new covenant ministers. They were ministers of the new covenant. They were the ones that Jesus initially sent out to make disciples of all the nations. But the fact is, you are a new covenant minister as well, if you have received the gospel. If the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has caused the light of the glory of Christ to shine in your heart so that you came to see who he really was, as you heard the gospel and you saw who Christ really was and you put your faith in him, you believed the Father's report about him. If you did that, you're a part of the new covenant. And Paul is saying here that this is what ushered him into this ministry of being an apostle and the same thing is true of us now he's a, he's defending his ministry as an apostle apostle what is an apostle well if we were to go through the book of ephesians we could see there were certain characteristics of the apostles they first of all uh, ephesians 1 1 paul says to of himself i'm an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god in other words god appointed those apostles it was an appointment. In Ephesians 2.20, he says that they were the foundation of the church, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So they played a key role. In chapter 3, verse 5, he says that they knew the mystery of Christ. And it was there, it, God revealed his mystery to them of Christ, the mystery of Christ. And he said it was their job to make it known. Well, all of you who've received the gospel... I don't simply mean you, you have lip service to the gospel, that you actually came to understand it. It penetrated your heart. Your eyes were open. God turned the light on and you saw who Christ was and you received him by faith. If that's true of you, then you too have been called to proclaim in your own life, in your own setting, the truth about who Christ is as God gives you opportunity and then in chapter 4, he says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers 
for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Every time we come to the Word of God, we, we come to the New Testament, this, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We actually have the apostles' message to us, and it is meant, it is shaped in order to equip us to do the work of ministry. This idea of him giving these five offices, these five kinds of men he gave to the church, apostles. He's talking about Jesus. I didn't read the context. When Jesus ascended to the Father, it says he took a captive, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He's talking about him giving these gifts to the church. And then he mentions the five kinds of men. He said, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Now, what that means is that ministry is what we are all called to. And Paul's whole life was given to the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So now in the world, there are over 2 billion people who claim to be followers of Christ, and every one of them who is a follower of Christ has actually been called by Christ to be a minister of his. His minister. This morning you heard Isaiah 49. That's one of the, the five, uh, the, actually the four uh, servant songs in Isaiah. Talks about, it's pro- their prophetic words about Jesus Christ who was going to come and he came 750 years later. Now what this, what this passage, what these, these songs of the servant, servant songs teach us is a servant, what a servant really is, because he tells us who Christ really was. And this is what a servant is. A servant is, is exactly what Jesus Christ was to the Father, a minister. You know, we have, we have so abused this word, I think, that it, all of a sudden it's, you think of it as somebody's profession. Who, what do you do? I'm a minister. Oh, that's your profession. You're a professional minister. No, that's what all of you are. We are all ministers because the word minister means servant. And what we are is servants of Christ. And this is what a servant is in, biblical con- in the biblical concept of a servant or a minister. It's a trusted envoy sent by the master. This is what it emphasizes. It's, it, the Bible tells, you that, tells us that we are servants of the Lord. We are his envoys. We have been sent on mission by him. This is what it means to be a servant. We're, we're a trusted ambassador of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure a lot of you think that's really highfalutin. I just have never even thought of that. I'm not a minister. I'm just a Christian who goes to church and maybe gives a little bit. Maybe gets involved a little bit. I pray every once in a while. No, you are a minister of Jesus Christ. You have, been, you have actually been sent on mission. Jesus told his disciples, as, a fa- as the Father sent me, so I send you. When somebody says to you, uh, what's your ministry? Instead of you saying, oh, I'm not, I don't have a ministry. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> You've been given a ministry. Every one of us have been given a ministry by the Lord Jesus Christ. What they're asking is, what's your assignment from the Lord? Well, it depends on where you're at, doesn't it? It depends on where you're at in your life, where God has placed you among the people that he has placed you. And so your, your ministry has to do with you being a representative of Jesus Christ. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just a few chapters later, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who's been sent on a mission for the state to accomplish something. We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. In other words, that's our job. That's what we have been sent to do. This new covenant ministry, we are told in 1 Corinthians 12, for example, this is a fairly well-known passage. I assume you know this by heart, that Paul says there are a variety of gifts, varieties of gifts, but one spirit. In other words, the Bible teaches that every single believer, every follower of Jesus Christ has been given a gift by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission that Christ has sent you on. And then in the next verse, it says, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. Now, this is where your ministry comes in, that the Spirit has equipped you and the Son has assigned you. The Lord Jesus Christ has assigned you a mission. And so there's a variety of ministries. Now, I would say that the gift that you have been given by the Spirit, you're going to have for your whole life. The ministry that you have is shaped by Christ's desire for you throughout life. Different phases during different times of your life. But what he has called you to do is to represent him in this world. And so... Jesus said, as he said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And that's what he says to every one of you believers, that he has sent you into the world. So this is kind of the Trinity's way. The third thing is there are varieties of effects, supernatural effects, but it's the same God that is the Father. You can check with Ryan on this but the same God, the same Father who works all things in all persons. So think about this. He's given you a significant ability by giving you a gift. Peter says there's basically two kinds of gifts. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. But every single person in the body of Christ has been given a gift. And there's varieties of ministries, but it's the same Lord who assigns every ministry. And he has sent you into the world to minister And there are varieties of effects. Some people, their effects are just amazing to you. And you see how God's used them and you're just in total awe. Well, God's the one who determines how he's going to use you, what he's going to produce through you. Now, so therefore, first of all, how does this shape the church? Well, first of all, this is called napkin theology right here. Uh, We don't go to church. That's not a biblical concept. I know we say that all the time. I say it too. You meet somebody, they say they're a Christian, you say, where do you go to church? We don't go to church. That's not a biblical concept. It is, it is true that we gather together as the church. See, we don't go to church. We are sent by the power of the Spirit to be the church in the world. According to God's, God's opinion, what this world needs right now I'm sure you don't believe this. A lot of you don't believe this, but it's what God believes. And that's really the most important thing. What God believes is what America and every other nation on the face of this planet needs the most is a church that's going into the world being the church, being the people of God. Now, we, we meet, we gather together for worship every week here. 
But that's not what the church is. That is not the only thing the church is. The church is these people who have been saved and brought into a relationship with Christ who have been given the Holy Spirit, therefore anointed by the Spirit to speak for Christ. And he has gifted them. And he has assigned them a ministry. And the Father promises to produce effects through you in people's lives. So... We don't go to church. We are sent by the power of the Spirit to be the church. And we need the power of the Spirit to be the church, don't we? And then secondly, the church is sometimes viewed as a business. In fact, this is so common, we talk about it like that, as though we're trying to build a successful business. And so the church as a business looks like that. We're trying to get more and more people to become a part of Coming to, going to church with us. But what the Bible talks about is the church has sent ones into the world, that we're sent out into the world. And as we live our lives before this world, this fallen world, as we display the truth of who Christ is, and then we explain. See, what should happen, what should happen is I ought to be living in such a way this, that people will want to know, what is it with you? <laughs> I have had people ask me that, but it was never because I looked like I was a Christian. What is it with you? Peter says, you know, be ready to give an answer when somebody says, why do you have hope? Why do you have this kind of hope? Why are you so positive about life? Why are you so positive about what you think God is going to do in your life? It's because of the gospel. And then finally, the purpose of the gospel is to make disciples who make disciples, to make disciples of Jesus. That's what we've been sent to do. But we have been sent to make disciples, the kind of disciples who make disciples. See, that's, that's the tough part. That's the convicting part. It's overwhelming convicting. I, I almost left this out because it's so convicting to me. If somebody was asked me, how many of the people you've discipled are making disciples? Somebody asked you that, what would you say? See, what's so tempting for us in religious works is we want people dependent upon us. We want to show that we know stuff that nobody else knows, and so you have to keep coming back to us in order to hear all this stuff that you can understand. This is what they were accusing Paul of. And Paul says, no, I am being totally transparent. I'm telling them the truth. I'm telling them the real gospel. And if they're blinded, it's because Satan is blinding their, their eyes. See, every unbeliever, every person who's heard the gospel and refuses to believe it. Second Thessalonians says, there are going to be those in the future who've sat under the hearing of the gospel for a long period of time in their life. And what they're going to experience as God brings judgment on this world is a total blindness to the truth of who God is until that judgment falls. So here we have this privilege of sitting under the teaching of the Word of God. We're still in a nation where it's, it's legal to do what we're doing here. And so we preach the gospel. And we hear the gospel over and over and over again. And so when I come to believe this gospel, when it changes my heart, I want to share it with others. And so this is what we are called to do, is to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus to fill the earth with the, God's glory. See, nothing brings God glory more than the multiplication of the many sons 
of glory who are going to relate to Jesus Christ in a real sense as their elder brother so that he's the firstborn among many brethren. So this is what we're called to do. And uh, I don't know if this is good, to, good news to you or not, but it really should be. Paul considered it good news that you are a minister of Jesus Christ. Oh, I don't mean that you have clergy privileges. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you go to the hospital, they have clergy parking. So if you have a little license plate that says clergy, you can park there. Clergy and laity is not a biblical concept at all. In fact, the word clergy is used in a few places when it's talking about a particular allotment of people for something, and, but it's, it's mostly used for the people, you, all of us. We are the allotted group that God has placed in a certain area for a certain purpose. There's no such thing as clergy laity because we're all ministers of Jesus Christ. And so he wants us to be at the work. Now, you heard this testimony this morning by Dave that God put it on his heart to do this, to move down into uh, this little community and uh, begin to try to make disciples of these children. Isn't that amazing? But that's because he's a minister. I don't think he went to seminary, but he's a minister, just like you are a minister of Jesus Christ. He's your Lord. And he has sent you, he has sent you into the world with a purpose and an assignment. And so if somebody asks you, what is your ministry? You need to be able to tell them, what is the assignment that he's given you? If you just stop and think about it, where has God placed you in the world right now? Who are the people that he has put you in the midst of? Who are the people that he's assigned you the task of representing Jesus Christ? And are you fulfilling the ministry? Now, the wonderful thing is that his equipment to you, the way that he's equipped you is so supernatural. Uh, the new, we live in the new covenant. The new covenant, unlike the old covenant, in the new covenant, every single believer has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've been immersed in the Spirit, and the Spirit has come to live within you. In fact, in 1 John 2, John says, because you have the anointing, all of you have the anointing, that is, you have the Holy Spirit, and therefore you know the truth. You know the truth. Sometimes, for example, we forget the fact that we are believer priests. The Bible says that all all the body of Christ. We're, we're a nation of priests. We're a holy nation and a priesthood of believers. You know what that means? That means you can pray. That means that you have access, you have entree to God. You can actually speak to God on people's behalf. And so when you go before the Father and you do what Jesus said, you call him Father. And then you present to him these needs that you see in people's lives. And you call on God to act on their behalf. You're actually having access to the true living God. The right of Hebrews says you even have freedom of speech. You, you don't have to use a certain kind of language. You have to speak to him and call upon his name based upon 
who you are in Christ Jesus. But the other part of it is, I need to be aware that I have been called to ministry and not ignore it, not live as though it isn't true. Because that's what we sometimes do, isn't it? We live as though that being a Christian is simply that's the little box you check on your applications. See, that's not what it is. It is that you are ministers of Jesus Christ. And he has called you into this great, great work of his people is making disciples for Jesus Christ. And making disciples for Jesus Christ takes this. It takes you knowing Christ and you loving people so that you're willing to spend time with them and share your life with them and share the truth of the Word of God that you've come to know with them. That's what he's called you to. And so you do have a ministry. You are on mission. You do have an assignment. And that assignment really is being engaged in this making of disciples for Jesus Christ, who then will make disciples for Jesus Christ. And what we all want to see is we want to see the third generation and the fourth generation of disciples. That you disciple someone, and they disciple someone, and they disciple someone, and they disciple someone. That's how it's worked for 2,000 years. That's the reason that in the upper room, when, when the Spirit was poured out, there were 120 followers of Jesus. 120. And today, there are over 2 billion. How did that happen? It happened because the people of God understood they were sent to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're up to. That's what, that's what the church is all about. We, aren't, we don't gather here. This isn't our Christianity. We come together in this building and we can sing boldly and, and say these, sing these words, these glorious words, and then go back to our normal life. No, we have been placed in this world as ministers of Jesus Christ. Being, being a pastor, sometimes you'll have people, they'll bring someone to you, and uh, they think that because you're a minister in the kind of popular sense, that sometimes you have, you have, somehow you have some kind of supernatural power. And you know what? It, it is true. Because it's true of all of us. We have the Holy Spirit. And you have the truth of the gospel. So I want to appeal to you. I want to appeal to you as the body of Christ, not just individually, but corporately, that we need to, we need to find a way to be together and to bring in people who need to hear the gospel into our midst in the most natural settings in life where you have the opportunity to fulfill your ministry as a minister of Jesus Christ. That's a, it's, there's nothing, there is nothing in all of life that is as joyful, as satisfying, as having the Spirit of God use you to share his gospel, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And the best way for us to do that is to take seriously this calling that he's placed upon our lives. That this is who we are. It's what we are. And so it's okay to ask each other, what is your ministry? What is your assignment? Now we could all say, well, my assignment is to make disciples who make disciples. That's true. Where, is he, where does he have you? 
Where are you right now? Who are the people that is, are the target of your disciple-making? Who are you praying for? And who are you bringing along with you into this process? Because it's really hard. The idea of one-on-one discipleship is really clean and nice. The only thing is what we really need to do is make disciples in community, little communities together where we pull people into the midst of what it's like to see Christians love each other and see Christians forgive each other, see Christians live out the reality of the body of Christ in a very intimate and close way. So I wish, what I want you to do this week is would you pray about this? Would you go before the Father and ask him to give you wisdom on how you could be, fulfill this calling that is upon your life? It's all over the New Testament. It's, co- it's totally different than Old Testament, Old Covenant way of life. We now, under the New Covenant, have been sent on this mission. We've been commissioned by Jesus Christ to fulfill this. And we want to help each other do it. Uh, We want to open our lives, open our homes, our hearts to one another so that we can do this together as the people of God. So let me pray for you for that very thing. Our Father, I bow my heart before you now and ask you that in your loving kindness, because of your great love for your Son, I pray that you would light up a fire in our hearts that we, Father, would engage, that our lives would be engaged in this glorious work of making disciples for Jesus Christ. And if that intimidates us and we wouldn't know where to start, help us to hook up with other believers in, which, in, a, in a group in which we can be involved in this, Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit would cause the, the, the truth that we are ministers of Jesus Christ to sink deep in our hearts. And that we would believe your promise, your promise to produce divine effects through us. I pray that we would take that to heart, that we would fulfill this ministry in great hope, great expectation, because you're a God who keeps his promises. Please use us, we pray for your glory, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.